You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. All right, so um, if you're if you're new, if, if this is your first time in this class, this is called Faith and Family. Um, we, um, you know, a big part of our kind of philosophy of ministry and belief at the Advent is that, we, first off, we really prioritize the uh, discipleship and spiritual formation of our children. And biblically, we believe that's a partnership between the church and the family. We believe it's our responsibility to do as much as we can to give you um, as much education, equipping, and encouragement to spiritually invest in your kids. Um, and so that's what we do at Faith and Family. Uh, today's topic is the buddy versus the boss. Uh, parent traps, you know, falling into being the boss or the buddy. And so we'll talk about that. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll get off to the races. Uh, Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for dying for our sins. And... Um, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, that you would bless us. I pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts. I pray that you convict us in good ways, but you'd also comfort us in good ways. Bless us with wisdom, and um, pray that that we would hear from you and not from me. Uh, I ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to start off with uh, my all-time favorite show, uh, Modern Family. And uh, y'all, I think probably a lot of y'all, anybody here like watch watch the syndicated reruns of Modern Family on the reg? Like almost every single night at our house, I'll just be honest. So this is from the actual like first episode, the pilot episode of Modern Family, The Cool Dad. So here, any, but anybody here like familiar enough where you kind of know about Phil Dunphy as the buddy? Yeah, all day long, right? Okay, so here we go. Hopefully the audio works on this. Okay, great. I'm the cool dad. That's, that's my thing. <laughs> I'm here, but I surf the web like text, LOL, laugh out loud, OMG, oh my god, WTF, why the face? I know all the dances to high school musicals, so. We're all in this together, yes we are, we're all stars, that means something, you know it. Alright, okay. Alright, so, um, so anyhow, there's the buddy. That's Phil. Um, that's Phil. And uh, but now this is this is a picture from an old movie. Goodness, it's like 20 years old at least. Uh, seems like just yesterday I was in college. Um, anyhow, but anybody recognize where this is from? American Beauty. American Beauty yeah, Colonel Frank, Frank uh, Fitz. And he, Frank is a really dark person. Um, but he's kind of on you know on the extreme of the boss. You know, he introduces himself as Colonel Frank Fritz, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so battalion, United States Marine Corps. And he has this very, like, regimented, um, distant, like, drill sergeant relationship with his son, Ricky. And so he's the extreme of the boss, right? And so when we're thinking about, um, thinking about this kind of dialectic of the buddy versus the boss... I feel like, you know, previous generation, um, uh, so I'm, I'm 40, and so not, maybe not necessarily my parents, but maybe like my parents' parents, I don't know, somewhere in that, that generation, there was definitely tended to be more of a propensity towards the boss. Uh, you know, like the kids didn't really know their parents, you know, as people, there was kind of a distance, it was, it was kind of more like emphasis on the authority of the parent. And then there, maybe there's an overreaction in this generation where it's a little more of the Phil Dunphy and the buddy. Uh, where in a lot of ways you see just, uh, you see, 
just in general in the culture, there's a lot of like child-driven families where it's kind of like, you know, the child, my job is to facilitate the child's desires. And, um, and so but there, there's, a, there's a balance and a tension. Uh, you know, in terms of there's, there's something good from the buddy side, there's something good from the boss side. And so what we're going to talk about is that tension that we see in scripture and just kind of how is it that we try to live in that tension in a way um, that's wise and that's, um, that's, you know, in accord with scripture, but it's, that's also helpful for our kids because they, they need a little boss, they need a little buddy as well. Uh, so we're going to start out here looking at um, what you call the, the Christian household code um, in... Ephesians chapter 6. It really kind of starts back halfway through Ephesians chapter 5. I've got more, I'm sorry, I've got more worksheets, uh, friends. Uh, if anybody needs more, I'm going to put this put this stack up here and please feel free to get it. Um, but um, so Christian household code, uh, it's a term, it's a term in the New Testament uh, that talks about kind of this distinct Christian way of living. And it was very, very different and countercultural at the time of the New Testament. You see it in um, Ephesians 5 and 6, Colossians 3. You see it in 1 Peter. I can't remember where. But anyhow, and so it gives some directions on like husbands and wives and uh, parents and children. And uh, and then slaves and masters. Obviously, I'm not going to go off on that, but very different than slavery in the, in, in the United States. Um, but anyhow, and so it's basically these kind of authority structures within the family. Uh, and like I said, it was extremely countercultural, um, especially in the way that the people who are in authority were called to love and serve. They were called to kind of uh, emulate the life of Christ in that the you know, power in Christianity is defined by service. Uh, it's defined, defined by um, laying down your life to love and serve others. And so anyhow, um, so with that being said, we're going to start here in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Uh, it says, Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, so first thing here when we're looking at verses 1 through 3, you know, uh, Paul is addressing the children. And Paul, you can see that there is clearly an authority structure established. You know, he's saying, children, obey your parents. Uh, and so that, that acknowledges that, like, God has placed the parent to be a figure of authority in the life of the child. And the child is to comply with that and submit to that. Um, and, uh, you know, it, the, the, the child and the parent are not on an even plane. Um, you know, the, 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 the parent is the boss, um, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, it's funny how I've had many, many debates uh, with my children throughout toddlerhood of like, no, daddy is the boss. <laughs> and being six foot five, 230 pounds, actually quite a, quite an asset um, in communicating that. <laughs> Anyhow, so, okay, so then we go to verse four and it says, when it says, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So first thing, it says fathers uh, and I will say, like every translation, it, um, it translates as fathers, but we see the same Greek word in Hebrews when it's talking about fathers disciplining their children. It's actually translated as parents. So I, 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 my point in that is to say that, um, that yes, I do, I do think that's a proper translation of fathers in this context, but what Paul has to say 
to fathers is is universally applicable to both mothers and fathers. It's not just this is he's not just it's not just uh, these principles are not just applicable to uh, to a dad. And so then he goes on and he says, um, you can see that this is basically a call to be an authority, but not to be domineering. Um, he says, the first thing he says is, do not provoke your children to anger. And so, you know, if you think about, um, you, you, we all kind of, we can probably have felt this before, where uh, you're angry, you're tired, you're frustrated with your children, and you just kind of go into uh, boss mode, where, you know, you're just like on your kids, and you're like just amping up the punishments, you know, it's like, I can remember as a kid one one time. Uh, no, I'm not gonna throw my dad under the bus. <laughs> I'll throw myself under the bus. I was a high school teacher in the inner city, and uh, there was there was there were the class was doing something that was bad, and I was like, hey guys, if you do it one more time, I'm gonna add an additional sheet of homework, you know, for homework for the whole class. So they did it, and I was like, page seven, go back, and they did it again, page eight. And it was just like this game. By the end of it, there were like 10 extra worksheets of, you know, 10 extra worksheets of homework uh, that nobody did, of course. But um, <laughs> but anyhow, you know, it was just kind of like I just got into this place where I was like in, you know, reptilian predatory mode where I was angry and I was like tired of my, my authority being questioned and like I'll show you who the boss is and I'm just going to lay down the hammer here, you know. And so, uh, so we've all, you know, we've all probably felt ourselves go to that place where we we provoke children in anger. Astonishingly, that that little episode did not win me a great deal of of capital with that class. Um, Yeah. Anyhow, but um, but anyhow, so he's first saying like, do not don't like be careful not to use your authority in a way that you know angers your children. And in Colossians, he says, fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And so you can see, again, this, you know, be the, be the boss, but not in a manner where you're ruling over your kids in a domineering way, frustrating them, antagonizing them, such that they're discouraged. So then he comes back and says, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so you have these two words. You know, one kind of has more of like uh, positive, proactive connotations. The other has more kind of negative, reactive connotations. And so the, the first word translated discipline um, comes from the word paideia, which if, if anybody here studied education, the word pedagogy, which is like the study of teaching. And so basically discipline is really more the proactive, positive word of like teaching your children, you know, like teaching them about, you know, living with wisdom, teaching them about treating people kindly and with respect, you know, tre- teaching them all the kind of things you know, about, about being a Christian, about being a follower of Jesus, but also about being a decent human being that parents do, right? And so he's saying, uh, bring them up in the discipline and instruct, and then instruction is actually more of a reactive, like corrective type term. It's more of like, when you do wrong, there are going to be consequences. These are the consequences. I'm going to enforce them. And that is part of, part of how I'm discipling you. It's part of how I'm teaching you. And so, um, so he says those, those things. And so, um, so, so that's kind of the first thing that, that is said um, about, you know, about this tension of being the authority, uh, but not being domineering. And so, um, one thing to keep in mind, though, is in light of this, 
Right before this text in Ephesians 5, Paul's addressing husbands in relation to their wives. And he says, um, he says, no one ever hated his own flesh and nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. And so this you know, first part that we talked about here in verse 6 is more of kind of like the boss side of the dialectic. Um, but commentators talk about how uh, in verse that this verse from verse five, because it says no one a- ever hated his own flesh, um, that this kind of has applications, this concept of nourishing and cherishing your wife, but nourishing and cherishing your children. This concept also flows in to what Paul has to say in verses six, one through four to fathers and to children. Um, and so that kind of more speaks to the body side. You know, to uh, the you know being kind and affectionate, and like your children knowing you and you knowing your children, um, and and being you know gentle in that way. And so, um, so here uh, Francis Folks kind of writing commentary on this section. He says it is right for parents to demand obedience, but there must be a capricious exercise of authority. Discipline is essential in the home, but not unnecessary rules and regulations and endless petty correction by which children are, quote, discouraged. Um, you must not goad your children to resentment. And so you can see there is this tension of the buddy and the boss. Uh, the boss is like, your child needs you to be an authority. Like, that is very, very clear here. Your child needs you to be the person who, um, who sets up boundaries, who enforces the rules, um, who, like, is, you know, is leading them. Uh, they need that. They, it, it, it makes the child very anxious and very unsettled to feel like they have, you know, autonomy and they can do what they want to do. It's interesting. The developmental question for children in the range of like two to f- two to four, in particular, is can I do whatever I want to do? That's one of their questions. Am I loved and can I do whatever I want to do? Which basically the question is like that's can I do whatever I want to do is the essence of their sin. The essence of our sin is we want to be our own savior. We want to be our own Lord. We want to do whatever we want to do. And sadly, like the world upholds that as, you know, the highest virtue to be able to do whatever you want to do. And, uh, and we know, you know, that doing whatever you want to do leads to really, really bad relationships with other people, leads us to isolation, leads us to misery, leads us to emptiness, uh, and disconnects us from the Lord. Um, what we, what, you know, we're, we're much better off like living, not doing what we want to do, but doing what God calls us to do. And so anyhow, so part of being the boss is, uh, being that authority who creates boundaries for your children and enforces those and makes the child, the child's going to fight it. The child's going to resist it like crazy, whether they're a toddler or whether they're about to go to college, right? That's just kind of the nature of their sin. And they're going to, um, they're going to hate your guts uh, to your face, to your face. Uh, I promise you, behind the scenes, they don't hate your guts to your face for this. Um, but what you're doing is you're, you know, you're giving them a sense of safety and security and comfort by, by being an authority. Um, I can remember I had a, a student who both of his parents died in a, uh, in a plane crash. It was just tragic. Um, and so I asked him about a year after his parents had died. I said, what do you miss the most about your parents? And he said, I miss them being on my case all the time. That's what he missed by his parents both having passed away. So just to give you a little kind of, um, just kind of encouragement that uh, your, your, you know, your children really do feel loved by you 
living out as, as an authority figure in their life. Okay, so the question here is, um, you know, how... Okay, we'll slide that. Okay, great. All right, so the question is, like, how, how do we kind of live in this tension? And so I think one of the most helpful things is to kind of look at how God functions in this way for us, how God is both um, our Father and who art in heaven. And so let me let me kind of tell you what I mean by that. And but I want to let me first give this caveat: we're not God, right? We cannot be God. And so you know, and one of the things we kind of say over and over again here is that you want to be pointing your children to God because you, as a parent, are completely insufficient for their needs. You know, your children were made for perfect parents in the Garden of Eden, um, and that ship sailed. Uh, you know, sh- sailed with you know some incident with a, a man and a woman and some fruit from a tree. Um, and so with that being said, your child really needs God. That's the perfect parent that they need. So I'm not in any way saying that like you've got to be God for your child. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that the way that God parents us um, does give us some direction in terms of this tension of being uh, buddy and boss. And so first, like in the Lord's Prayer, when it starts out and it says, "Our Father, who art in heaven." Uh, you can see the buddy-boss dynamic in the way we address God. When we say our Father, that's a term of like intimate relationship. That's a term of like a nurturing parent um, who's kind and who's supportive and who's on our side and who we know. Like we know their story, we know their life. Uh, You know, it's it's interesting in um, in Romans 8 and in Galatians 3 or 4. Is it 3 or 4 where it says Abba? can't remember anyhow only taught it last week you know uh anyhow but you know so it talks about how you know we refer to god as abba father and so the reason there's a question of why is it that paul and both of those texts uses the term abba which is aramaic it's not greek abba is aramaic and so the reason he says that is because that would have been the term that jesus used to address god as father because jesus's first language was aramaic and so, um, and so he's saying like, you know, through the righteousness of Christ, we are adopted children of God and we can call God, we can address God in the same way that Jesus, the son of God, addressed God the father. And so in, you know, we talk about God as Abba, um, that is a very intimate term. You know, the Lord is kind to us. The Lord is gentle. And um, the Lord has a, you know, has an imminent relationship with us an imminent, like he's near us, but also intimate relationship with us. And so, um, and so, the, and we and we know him, and so this kind of speaks to how God is the buddy. And sorry, I'm not saying that in an irreverent kind of way. God is obviously not the bu- not buddy because he's God Almighty. Um, but you know, in terms of this language here, you know, God is that kind of parent to us. He's a parent that we know. He's a parent who sits with us when we're suffering and we're struggling. He's a parent who shares his story and his heart and his desires with us. We see that in Scripture. That the Bible is you know God's self revelation to us about who He is. And you, know, you can think about the, the parent who has none of the buddy side where, you know, um, you hear this a lot from people of past generation, but this could be your story too, of the parent where, you know, people, the child is like, I have no idea who my dad was or who my mom was. Uh, do you, has anyone ever seen the movie Big Fish? Where, you know, at the end, the, the son, um, he's got this, you know, rural Alabama dad who just tells all these tall tales. And the son is like, I think, uh, like a journalist in a big city, and he comes, his dad's dying. And you can, the son's frustration is like, I have no idea who my dad is. Like my, my, my dad's 
everything I know about my dad is just these baloney tall tales. I don't really know who my dad is. Um, but we do know who God is. Like we do, we don't know everything about God, but like God shares his heart with us. He reveals himself to us. He comes to us. And so in terms of like being the buddy to our kids, um, like it's, it's important in an appropriate way where, you know, you know the wisdom on this, where our kids like know our story. It's, I think it's a very helpful thing for you, um, as your children are going along, you know, say your child's in third grade or seventh grade or whatever, for you to tell, to tell them like what your third grade experience was like. To tell them the things like, I, I want to tell you, these are things when I was a third grader that I was anxious about. Or, um, you know, these are things that I really enjoyed. This is what I was like. This is who my friend was. That's an important part of like cultivating intimacy with your child. It's for them to know your story. Um, and it's also helpful for your child because their real life struggle is dignified by you talking about your real life struggle. It can become very easy for parents to poo-poo on and belittle the struggles of a third grader, you know, or the struggles of a high school kid. You know, oh, big deal, like, you know, your girlfriend dumped you of two weeks. Like, yeah, wait till, wait till you're my age and, you know, you're running over to the nursing home to take care of the parent and you're worrying about the mortgage and you've got all these demands at work and da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da, right? We, we can, it's, it can be very tempting for parents to go that way and it's super discouraging for a kid. Because we all know, like, when you were in seventh grade and your boyfriend or girlfriend of 10 days dumped you, it was like the coronavirus was, everyone in your family had the coronavirus, you know? Um, anyhow, so uh, don't get me started on that. Uh, so, so that being said, um, yeah, it's a way that we can kind of dignify that real life struggle for our kids and we can be the buddy in a way that's appropriate. I always say, like, where's the line? The line is generally, you don't want to tell kids things that, that put burden on them, and you don't want to tell kids things you did that, that basically invite them into bad behavior. Because the way a kid hears it is, oh, mom and dad did this, or youth leader or youth volunteer did this, and they turned out okay. So, you know, if I, if I run drugs out of the basement of my house, it's going to be all right, too. You know? So, yeah. Okay, me. Got to love the extreme example. Um, Okay, so anyhow, so that is um, so that is an example of like being the buddy in a way that's appropriate, in a way that models the way that God is our Father, a heavenly parent to us. Now, on the other side, we say, "Who art in heaven?" And what we mean by that is is basically we're referring to the transcendence of God, how God is not like us. You know, God is holy, God is just. Um, and in that way, God is our authority. You know, God created us, and so therefore we answer to God. Like our whole life, we are accountable to God. And so, um, and so with that being said, uh, part of, you know, part of when it says children obey your parents so that it may go well with you, like when you read through the wisdom literature um, in, in the Bible, like you read like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and things like that, you can see that the primary theme is the fear of the Lord, which basically means like you need to submit to authority. You know, if you do not submit to authority in your life, it is not going to work out very well for you. Um, you know, that being teachers or coaches or the police or your parents or your boss, whoever it is. Um, but ultimately God, like all of those are kind of um, lesser examples of authority that you need to submit to, but they are pointing to the ultimate authority who is God like submitting to God, his direction in your life, to his word, to his law, his commandments. And so, um, and so with that being said, 
uh, and that way God is the boss. You know, we're accountable to him. And so, um, and so with that being said, uh, I've said that being said about a thousand times. As a result, therefore, uh, <laughs> uh, therefore, uh, it is really, in terms of your child living in relationship with God, but also your child having kind of like a fruitful life, it is really important for you um, to, to be the boss, uh, to be an authority figure, and for them, you know, to teach them to submit to you in a, in a way that's reasonable and kind and wise, uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's under control, uh, not being antagonistic. And so, um, you know, let's, I want to just talk now with just kind of some examples of what, what this can all look like. And I think one of the things I want to kind of convey, it's probably the main, one of the main points here, is that, you know, we all kind of know which side of this continuum we tend to go to. Uh, you know, you might be too, feel like I know I'm too much the buddy. Or you might know, like, I'm too much the boss. Or it could be situational, you know, like, uh, when the kids are bad, I go, like, boss mode all day long and and I need to I need to like I need to maintain the buddy too you know I need to kindly in a manner that's instructive like discipline my children and not just be like dad is the boss get in the corner consequence no dessert and we're not watching any blippy on YouTube um, uh, yeah so anyhow so you kind of know that about yourself but so some examples here we're talking about the buddy um, I you know I think a lot of times a temptation for a parent is to subvert the rules of the other parent when the other parent is gone. I can remember growing up that there was, uh, uh, you know, someone I knew where it was like when dad was around, there was one set of rules. But when dad was gone, mom was all about being the buddy. It's like, Psh, whatever, you know. And, uh, and so, it can, you know, that, is, that can be really, really detrimental, um, especially if it's the dad who wants to be the buddy and hangs mom out to dry. Uh, in a situation, especially, especially, <laughs> sorry dads, sorry dads. Because here, and, uh, and you know, uh, you know, different, uh, sorry dads, sorry. It's just my job to say the truth. Um, but basically the point here, and you know, and obviously different family situations are, are different in terms of which parent is around the child the most. But, you know, typically mom has logs more time around the children than dad. Uh, that's, you know, not right nor wrong, just saying that descriptively. And so with that being said, if dad wants to be the buddy and doesn't want to support mom and even undermines mom's rules, that puts mom in a horrible position. Um, and so mom and dad, you know, uh, in a situation where it's not a single parent home, mom and dad need to be on the same page and need to, to be consistent together um, about, about you know, being the authority. And that's something maybe you all can talk about afterwards, because I see a lot of conversations <laughs> in the room right now. <laughs> okay. Um, second example, you know, um, yeah, you know, Phil Dunphy, right? I mean, a lot of times dad wants to be the buddy. Like, oh gosh, I don't have that much time around for my kids, around my kids, and so uh, mom's with them all day, and so I just, you know, I just want to have fun. And that's not that's not helpful. Okay, so I just threw dads under the bus. <laughs> Moms, your your time's coming. Um, all right, so example number two can be uh, mom tends to vomit all her problems on her kids, um, even her problems about marriage. Uh, now dads can be this can be an indictment of dads because like mom should be able to say that to dad, you know. Um, mom should have a network of friends where she can say this, but it can be mom or dad, but 
parent overshares with their children in a way that's not appropriate. Um, where the, and, it's, and a lot of times it can be, I see this a lot. Whereas, especially, yeah, especially, um, especially in a situation where there's been a divorce, where the child is kind of elevated to be the spouse, emotionally speaking and relationally speaking. Um, and so, man, I'm stepping on everyone's toes and I'm just so sorry. <laughs> but I just want to say this because this can be really, really hard for a child. Um, this is, this a lot of times is a, is a, is a sign of addictive, uh, sorry, a, an indicator or predictor of addictive behavior because child needs the parent to be the source of security and nurture. Um, but the role has been changed to where the, um, the child is now the source of nurture and security for parent. And so the child is carrying a burden that they really cannot handle emotionally and relationally. Uh, and so, so anyhow, so that's an example of too much buddy. Finally, okay, get rid man, I am just like making, making, you know, the opposite of Dale Carnegie, like making, making enemies today. <laughs> Last one, I, I just, I had a parent, and this legitimately is like, was like 14 years ago, um, where they would just say all the time, I just can't get my kids to go to church. I just can't get my kids to go to church. And I know it's a battle. Like, I, I know that it's like, you know, like mixed martial arts warfare on a Sunday morning sometimes, <laughs> especially as they get older. But this was like late elementary school, early, early middle school kind of situation. And, um, and the dad would come to church alone. And she's like, I just can't get my kids to come to church with me. And I'm like, bro, like your kids go to school. Like, you know, I just can't get my kids to go to school. You know, like, really? You know, that, that doesn't work. And so I, I, under, I understand that we kind of, you want to have a sensitivity as far as, like, you don't want to be dogmatic and, like, ramming your faith down your child's throat. And at the same time, like, this is a situation where you need to be the boss. You know, like, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it demonstrates that, like, church and God are important enough to you that, it may, you know, you make it a priority and you're going to wield your authority to, you know, to see that the child is there. I think, you know, I think as your child gets older, child gets a license, um, it's totally okay for you to say to your child, like, hey, if you don't like going to church here, like, you can you can go to church somewhere else. Like, you, you know, like, with my approval, like, you can go visit. And then, by the way, if you have children who are seniors who are getting ready to go to college, something I really recommend the summer after they graduate is that you say, you and a friend are going to go to three different churches, not the Advent, by yourself. Just you and a buddy, just go try it out. Um, got off track there. Um, but, um, but all that to say, like, when it comes to, like, going to church, that, that's, I know the world just kind of says, like, imposing your faith on somebody is, like, the carnal sin in, in the secular world. But that's, that's kind of, that's, that's a, that's a tactic of the kingdom of darkness. That's, that's not truth. And so, um, in a, in a way where you're both, you know, kind, a kind authority, um, like having your children go to church and not saying, I just can't get them to go to church with me, that, you know, that, that's a place where we can be too buddy. All right. Now on the other side, um, the, the boss, um, the boss mentality. What time is it? Okay. Good. All right. Now on the other side, you can have, you know, like the military parent. Where, you know, not, 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 if you're former military, not, not in any way, criticizing you. <laughs> but the parent where it's just like, I'm a drill sergeant, we're gonna have order in this house, like, we're gonna march, and like, that's it right there. Um, and so you kinda have to, you know, we're, we're you know, just so dogmatic about sticking to the schedule or sticking to the structures and where, where, you know, obviously that kind of stuff, it can be really good, but to where like that, you go to an extreme where really what it's about is control. 
It's more about control for you. Um, we can, we can on the ball side, we can antagonize our kids and pester them over everything. Like as a parent, you really have to know where to pick and choose your battles. I think that's part of what Paul is saying when he says um, that you know you do not provoke your children. Um, we, you know, there there are times we need to let things slide, and that's where you need God's wisdom in those situations. But you know, just like to constantly be on your child about everything, like we can we can kind of feel ourselves doing that. Um, and then finally, the, you know, a, a, a manifestation of too much of the boss is like the parent who flies off the handle and gets really angry. And so here's the here's the tie that binds them together. Whether you're too boss or you're too uh, buddy, in both of those situations, you're depending on the child too much. What I mean by that is on the buddy side, you might be depending on the child's approval or depending on the child's companionship or depending upon the child's affection too much uh, in a sense of like the child's almost an idol in that way. And you can be afraid of the child. You can be just desperate for that. Hey, we all want our kids to love us, right? I mean, don't we just love it when our kids are snuggly and they want to hug us and all that kind of stuff? Woke up a little early with uh, with the, the two-year-old this morning and, you know, situated him on a chair in the uh, den. I laid down on the couch and I went back to sleep. And I feel this, like, little, you know, these little hands on my chest. And then I feel this, like, crawling up on the couch. And boom, Knox lays on my chest and, like, watches uh, Daniel Tiger. You know, and it's like, oh. Can't get any better than this, right? <laughs> totally awesome. And those of you who are teenagers, when you hear me tell that story, you're like, where are those days? <laughs> um, anyhow, so yeah, I mean, it's understandable that we want to like, we want our children's approval, we want our children to like us, that kind of stuff. But we have to be really careful that we're not depending on our children. You know, that we're not, we don't have too much dependence upon their approval and their affection. Um, on the other end, on the ball side, we can be depending on the child's responses in a sense of like needing respect or needing a sense of control. And so, you know, when the child does not comply, you fly off the handle because you feel like I don't have control. Either way, um, we're, we're uh, seeking needs to be met in our child, needs for validation, needs for control, needs for affection that really need to be met in our relationship with God and in our adult relationships. You know, and so I think one of the the, the bottom line things um, that I would say in this lesson is, um, you know, we talk about this again, not something that we can we can uh, that we can replicate because we're not God. But you know, you talk about the aseity of God. That's a term that talks about how God is needless. God is God is without need. God does not need us. Like any anything that we do for the Lord, it's not because He needs us to do it. He's not like counting on us or depending on us. He, he does that for our development. He does that for our pleasure. He does that out of his generosity. God does not have any need at all. And so that's not true of us because we're people. Like we were made with need. We, and that need, that need was made to be met in God. Um, and so, but at the same time, like one of the most important and best things that you can be doing as a parent um, is to be nurturing your own relationship with Christ so that you you feel the affirmation of God. You feel, you experience God's approval for you. You feel God's uh, God's affection for you. And you also are nurturing relationships with other people. You know, like if you're a guy, you have guys that you have real friendships with, you know, that you're sharing your life with. Um, You're talking about your frustrations and your fears and you know, you're accountable to in terms of your mess ups. Like that's really, really important for 
you know, for a husband and for a wife, for a mom and for a dad. Um, and because we don't want to be parenting in a place where we're, we need our kids, you know, where we need our kids' approval, we need our kids' response to validate us. And so that, I think, is really the bottom line of this buddy-boss concept is uh, misappropriating our need to our children rather than appropriating that need to God first and then, you know, friendships, but also in your marriage as well. Um, that's, you know, they say, I, I, um, Jane Menendez, and a lot of you probably heard this because a lot of you have been in, in her and Don's uh, Bible study, but, uh, you know, Jane says, if you see that your relationship with your spouse is not going very well, take a look at your relationship with God. Because generally, your relationship with God is a reflection, will kind of in some ways be a reflection of how your, your marriage is going. Then, if, you're, if your relationship with your children is off, then take a look at your marriage. Uh, take a look at your marriage, because that a lot of times will be an indicator of your you know, relationship with your kids, and then that will lead you, when you're looking at your marriage, then it'll lead you to look at your relationship with God. And so, um, seeing our need met first in our relationship with God, uh, then ideally in our marriage, and then, but also, also in our, in our friendships. Like your, your spouse cannot be your entire social network. Like in terms of your need for human connection, it's gotta be more than your spouse. Um, and that's why, you know, um, that's why it's important for both husbands and wives to like encourage and give permission to one another to have friends, you know, to, to, to bite the bullet so that wife can be in the Bible study at night or bite the bullet so husband can go to the men's group in the morning, whatever it is. It's just super important because it's, it's, it's very important for your parenting. Um, and so last thing I'll just say here is two, two things that are encouraging. Um, is one, all of this takes wisdom, right? Uh, and, you know, you just, on the buddy boss dynamic. And, you know, the promise that God gives us in, in James chapter one is that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask and it shall be granted by him who gives graciously without judgment. And so God, God promises as a guarantee, he will give us wisdom in situations when we ask for it. So we kind of constantly have to be asking for wisdom, um, uh, you know, in these situations. Second thing, is this is the thing you last thing you really need to hear uh, is that your child's welfare is really not dependent upon your performance. <laughs> you know, I, you know, we, we want to be faithful and we want to try our hardest and we want to do our best. And our best is never going to be close to enough for what our child needs, right? And so that's why uh, that's why we a pray a lot for our kids. Best thing you can do for your kid. And B, we point our kids towards God as their perfect parent. Um, and because that's, that's really what they need. They really need God more than us. So don't, get, don't fall into the trap or fall into the shame or the fear of thinking that your child's welfare is entirely dependent upon your performance because that's the opposite of the gospel. Everything is dependent upon the performance of God in Christ. So I'll pray for us. I think we're, I think we're a little late, so I don't think I have time for questions. Yeah, we're a little late. All right, Jesus, thank you so much that you're a, a good uh, parent to us. And, uh, Lord, if any of us feel fear or shame or a sense of inadequacy, I pray that you'd remind us that our adequacy is in the righteousness of Christ. It's in the uh, presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And, um, Lord, just give us wisdom on, on how to best love our kids, but also um, may, our, our true, may our hope really be 
uh, in your love and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.